broadcasting live from the Winthrop House. You're now listening to the Safe Negro Podcast Show. Welcome back, Winthrop House guests, to another and maybe the last episode of the Safe Negro Podcast Show. It is one of your hosts, Tatiana King, aka Hippo Light 'em Up. And I'm here with the very lovely in yellow. Thank you very much. It's your boy, DJ Ben Amin, aka Blogger, aka Misha Green knows my name. That she does. Also, writing in the Safe Negro Podcast show, Drop Top, maybe for the last time, we have... Portia Patterson-Hurst, a.k.a. Misty Nightmare. Ooh. Ooh, You come with the Fire. And if my my vocal inflections are any indication, this is such a bittersweet moment because we are at the end of Lovecraft Country Season 1, Episode 10. This is the finale episode called Full Circle. It has been directed by Nelson McCormick, teleplay by Misha Green, and the overall story by Misha Green and Iohoma Orfadir. And again, we want to thank you all for being on this 10-week-long roller coaster ride with us. It's been absolutely incredible. Dips and turns and twists and flips, and we are still trying to figure it all out. And of course, that's why we're here to record this show for you, because we're trying to figure it out with you. Um, as Hold usual, on. it ain't over. Let's say that right yeah, away. Yeah, as usual, we want to just say that it's important that you stick with us and make sure you are subscribed because there's still lots to come. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you subscribe to For All Nerds on your favorite podcast platform because that's how you get to listen to the Safe Negro Pod. And we are going to be having some surprises in store, including some more um, shows to, to talk about. Yeah. Some more episodes. So we're not done. Uh, We're not quite done. So just make sure you're still tuned up to us and also make sure you're following us on the socials at Safe Negro Pod. Uh, As mentioned, we are going to be analyzing episode 10 full circle. And here is your basic plot. Wait, did you give him a trigger warning? That's last. Okay. All right. Give him the plot then. Time is a flat circle and everything comes back to one or everyone and everything comes back to one, as we have reached the final episode of the first season of Lovecraft Country. Atticus has a date with the devil as Christina goes full Christine in her attempt to see a bunch of firsts as if crackers ain't had enough firsts. You just wanted me to say crackers. I did. (laughs) Uh, Letty finds her faith and family just in time to cast a spell from the ancestors. Ruby flips it and reverses it. Gia finds that darkness is spreading and Hippolyta Blue debuts the D-1000, much to the chagrin of Christina. (laughs) The basic plot is written every week by the DJ Ben-Amin, the illustrious DJ Ben-Amin. So if you love it or hate it, take it up with him. Darkness is spreading. Darkness. (laughs) Darkness. Darkness, Charlie Murphy. Darkness. It's so funny how you love how to say that, saying that, but also have a cracker agenda. So it's just like... (laughs) Wait, wait, what? You have a cracker agenda. You have a cracker agenda. Oh, every time. (laughs) Shout out to last week's episode because, you know, I love it when the show reflects my spirit and my smits and I got one for every one of you crackers. I'm I'm glad you started off. Get it out early. 
Wet your dream came true. Um, uh, and also, as, as Ben Ami mentioned, there are trigger warnings. We have racial slur, gore and blood, as well as general brutality against black people. So yeah. keep that in mind before you watch this episode. Or actually, you already watched the episode, but keep that in mind. Uh, so let's start with the themes of the show. Starting with the very title of the episode, Full Circle, which indicates that we're going back to where it all started in many different ways. Um, and as Ben I mean mentioned before, time is a construct. Time is particularly a construct of the mind. And uh, Hippolyta says that to Diana, explaining that as terrible as this moment or, or this moment in time that Diana is going through, no matter how terrible it is, it will pass. Hmm. And that relates to the entire episode. It also relates to to the experiences of black people in America and in life in general. I mean, like whoever wrote that, I want y'all to expand upon that. Oh, that was me. And I've I personally have learned that. I think everyone has learned that, but I've definitely personally learned that in life. Like I've been in some really extremely trying times and you have to learn that, you know, no matter what you're going through right then, that time one, you have to learn that you are meant to go through it. Like we talked about this last week. There is no if, there is only, I mean, there, yeah, there is no if, there is only is. And something I learned when I was going through a really trying time when I was uh, locked up, I read this book, uh, A New World, I think it is. And they talk about no matter what you're going through, you're, you know, you can only either experience it. You can either experience it with joy or with pain, but you're going to experience it. And a quote that I always love is, how do you know that you're that what you're going through right now is what you're supposed to go through? And it's because you're going through it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's it. Like what you're whatever's happening to you at any given moment is your destiny. You're supposed it's supposed to happen to you. Right. And, and you have to learn from it or you know, whatever. I know that's hard to reconcile when it's mm. something terrible. Woof. Like is when it? whether it's, you know, <laughs> just really hard times happening to you death in the family mm-hmm. like like all of that stuff sickness like mm. and I, I can understand people hearing that and going so you're telling me all the, the horrible things i go through is supposed to happen to me it's like but i'm a good person why should i be subject to that mm. and that's also like what atticus's mother says to him you know if you're not headed to sacrifice yourself at some altar what are you living for you know that it it's like he says, we don't, I don't want to die, you know, but we're all going to die. You know, that's just part of life. You know, there's only one way in and one way out. And so it's like, what are you doing in that time that you have while you're on this planet is what, you know, matters. And it's like, at some point, you're going to sacrifice yourself for something. But are you going to sacrifice yourself for others or are you going to sacrifice yourself for yourself? You know, and that's like the two views in this uh, episode in this series so far has been like Christina versus you know, everybody who's on the right side of fucking humanity. <laughs> what were you going to say, Portia? <laughs> I was just thinking there's so many thoughts here. <laughs> um, I was thinking about like when it, when it comes down to like, you know where you're supposed to be because of like you, you're there. It kind of like, it's like a culmination of like, well, the cho- your choices that you've made have led you here. So if mm-hmm. you're thinking about like alternate timelines, like if you would have made different choices, you would be somewhere else, right? Yep. As the people around you had made different choices, they would be somewhere else. So you're going through the same continuum with them because the choices that you've each made to put you where you are. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, I was just thinking about like, especially for this show where we're seeing everyone is like, Letty, especially, she just started off this like whole show 
um, just like coming out of um, wherever she, she was in DC, right? And like doing whatever she did there, hard up off her money, looking for her siblings to like help her out to being like in this episode, uh, pregnant. She's learned about family by observing someone else's family, how their family works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like with that full circle moment, like when it comes to like, she's made the choices to put her in a path of like being with Atticus, seeing his family, mm-hmm. see, getting to interact with his ancestors. And now she has a whole different viewpoint of like how family is supposed to be. Um, so I think a lot about like, that's, that's all choices. She made those choices and time, the kind of time construct around that, like she's, it's led her on this journey to where she is right now. But it's also fun to think about given like characters like Hippolyta, who um, she's bounced all around time. So what does that mean for her? Like, what does time mean to her? Mm, man, can, I, can, yeah. you, can we just clap it up with Tatiana and Portia real quick? Because, you know, yeah, both of y'all just continue to elucidate <laughs> things that I say, you know, in so much better ways than I would have said it. So, you know. uh, also, riding on that thread of that this too shall pass, that, that, that mantra, you see it with Atticus himself. Like as he's looking out the window from the shop, you see the kids running happy in the street, you know, black people living joyously. The, his new family essentially working in the shop and, and working together to prepare, um, you know, the new black, the new black family that are moving into the neighborhoods. Like you see this kind of cycle of, of new things happening. Uh, and, you know, even in the music that gets played, it's, it's a direct contrast to, all the almost every previous episode except for like episode nine all, every episode ended with sinner man mm-hmm. by um and then this episode uh in this scene particularly when he's in the shop you hear nina simone I, singing i am blessed yep. and and so you know just to see that kind of thing of you know you, you've sinned but now you, you've ascend- hopefully you've been cleared of your sins and now you're blessed and we actually see him go through um the clearing of his sins at least at least spiritually in this episode mm-hmm um, this is a, also a great one that, uh, particularly when it comes about full circle, and it's also a writing mechanism, but the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole series has been a deconstruction of the, the hero's journey, which is, again, it's, it's a mechanism used by writers that write stories. Um, as, as we see, and, and hopefully y'all all saw this episode, because we're going into the spoilers, Atticus dies at the end, and a team of diverse heroes are being created in his wake. Yep. And I love that. And I think a uh, shout out to Mellow Marketer who was calling and others as well who called Atticus one of the villains of the series early <laughs> on. I didn't really think he was the villain, but I definitely saw from early that they were really deconstructing the whole idea of a hero. Uh, Joseph Campbell, that's the man who made it famous. And he's a white dude. And it's that's one of the problems with the hero's journey. You Google it. Like I said, Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. And it's been used in pretty much every tale you've ever seen that involves some one person being told that they're great and usually plucking them out of obscurity and then they go on this journey and they become the hero through it, you know, and then they're, oh, you know, and everybody loves them. But in this series, we have a difference in that where it becomes like we have Atticus, you know, you think he's the chosen one. He gets told again and again the chosen one. Yet at the same time, throughout the whole 10 episodes, people constantly tell this Negro and other people tell other people about him, (laughs) it ain't about you and it ain't about him. You know, it's about all of y'all. You know, it's this whole family, this whole group of people all have to come together. And that's the difference. And that's such a dope thing that they did in this series to me, because usually this hero's journey is always about this chosen one. And it's usually a white male, you know, and even in this series, you see a black male, 
you know, and it's like, oh, here we go again. You know, it's all about this dude and his blood. And he's the only one who can save us. He's the Jesus. That's another, you know, thing about the hero's journey. And that's like something why I uh, hated the last Matrix, because Neo becomes the Jesus pose. You know, everybody does the Jesus pose and they save everybody. Whoop de whoop. But back to this shit. Uh, you know, in this, you have Atticus dying at the end. He does sacrifice himself and he does do to Jesus. I mean, he literally, you know, dies on a, pose, yeah. on a version of the cross. We'll get into what that cross was, but he does die and sacrifice himself. But instead of it being about him, we see once again that it takes this whole family of people who are all very diverse, all kind of different things going on. You know, you got Fox Swap with Montrose over here. You know, it is all, you know, the levels, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Montrose still a monster, though, but damn. Monster. Monsters. Monster Montrose. And yeah. in terms of the theme of Full Circle, we see tons of references to older episodes in the series. Mm-hmm. From when they, when Letty and Atticus go into that elevator to go back to that, I, I call it like a, a crypt slash temple. That the Indiana Jones in. joint. Yeah. 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 But when they get back into the elevator and then the water comes up again, that's Full Circle to where they were a few episodes back. And their overall return to Artem. That's where mm-hmm. their entire magic gauntlet journey started. Uh, the the reappearances of the Shogoths. Like, that's where, like, when the Shogoths scared Diana and Woody, that's just like how the Shogoths scared everybody when they first encountered them. In, in, and I just could not believe it, but it was episode one mm-hmm. <laughs> when all of this happened. Yep. Um, so now it's happening again, episode 10, the finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uncle George, Letty, and Atticus were in Artem in episode one, and now in this tenth episode, it's Letty, Atticus, and their unborn son George mm. returning to the scene of the crime. We have Letty running to save Atticus, and she looked just like she was when she was doing her track run to get to the car in episode one. Yep. Same music from the first trip to Artem. That yeah, the I, same background the haunting same... ass music that sounds like Portishead to me. Yeah. Um, D when D in this episode when D is in Woody and she's reading by herself, she's reading the Lovecraft book in the car. Um, and this is a few people said this, our, us included, but a few people said this on Twitter in the weeks leading up. Um, later in this episode, you see her reveal her robotic arm at the end. So we all can generally assume for sure now that the woman with the robotic arm that Atticus says gave him the Lovecraft Country book in the future, that that person was D somehow potentially in the future reaching back like i said we calling her d1000 it's some terminated shit we don't know what's going on it's it's also so interesting but it it ties into something like there's a lot of really subtle and there's like subtle and overt things in the writing of the show and you know people criticize it for either one but you know in in more than words of tupac negroes don't hate you for whatever you do (laughs) you know (laughs) but um look words to live by folks absolutely you know and so um d and her reveal of the robotic arm is bugged to me because it's like do they is it is that in the book right is that in the book like um d in the future in d's book in that show yes is it or does montrose tell her you know uh, you're going one day. You're going to have to push your 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 brother back or your cousin back through this portal. Here's Don't worry diff- about it. Here's you a know? different question: If this Lovecraft Country book in the show is written by George, who is Atticus's son, Atticus mm-hmm. is dead before his son uh, arrives. Yep. Who tells George the kid about this whole life story? Everybody else. The you whole think it's family. just a combination of everyone? Yeah, telling it, the takes story? A, it takes a village, you know, and they're mm-hmm. and it's and it's like he's and it's inspired by his father's tales. So it's like that's what it said on the back of the book. If you zoom in and read the whole uh, back, uh, book cover, like yeah. I did, 
like a machine. <laughs> That's um, what we do on the Safe Negro Podcast Show. We zoom in. Computer yeah. enhance. Yeah. We do it all. Yeah. So it says that it was inspired by his father's tales. So yes, it's um uh, a culmination. But in the episode, they talk about no matter what you do, you know, you think you have choices. That's something else we were talking about. We talked about this last week with the whole, you know, you're walking on a road and whether or not you go left or right, what happens? But that's the thing. Unless you're God, you don't really have a lot of choice in life. You think you do because you're making choices, but you don't know the outcome of them. Like you were talking about earlier, like that's something I had to learn, Portia, like when I was locked up, right? I was like, why the fuck am I locked? And then you think back to what you did to get you locked up. You know what I mean? And it's like, you might... Full circle. You know, you might not think you were guilty of anything. And I really wasn't, you know, if I, you know, people who know the story. But at the same time, I was because there I was. You know what I mean? And I was guilty of other things in life, et cetera, et cetera. It all comes back around full circle, like you say. Mm-hmm. Your choices yeah. lead you places, folks. The choices that get made in this episode, too, uh, in terms of the full circle, Atticus consuming Titus's flesh. Like, Atticus mm. is literally eating white meat. Delicious. Just wanted to point that out. Wow. Hey, <laughs> you know. I always like the it white meat and chicken. Pink. With a little hot sauce of the blood of the potion. You know, you know. It was wash it down. It was just, uh, I, it's one time I actually agreed with Montrose. The way he was just looking at him and his <laughs> face contorting and everything. Like, I was just like, oh, I'm with you, Machos. That's he said, pinch it and, and swallow, though. That was the line. Ugh. Pinch and swallow, bro. I was like, I didn't know they were going to do with all the different elements that they were collecting, but I was like, they couldn't have just, like, put that into a little like burn like, it. bowl and burn it into some <laughs> ashes or something right. and then put it some right. flavors in there yeah. and then just drink it down. Like, yeah. I don't but, know. Saute that home. But Atticus consuming this white meat. Really, he's consuming the flesh of his own ancestor. Mm. So, that, again, full circle. And, and that also points to the return of the ancestors. You see. Wait, wait. Cat- also full circle to them eating uh, Ty- uh, Titus's son in, the yes. epi- in episode two. There's so many callbacks Sam- to no, every so- episode. So remember episode two, Samuel had his liver or something cut out. That yep. They were feeding to the rest of the, the order members. Yep. And that Atticus did not and, eat. And it's a very, sh- and, and Samuel did it in a very strange flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood, mm-hmm. Jesus type of shit. But again, full circle to stuff you've seen throughout this series. And yeah. as mentioned, just return, uh, overall return to ancestors. You see Hannah, Hattie, uh, and Dora show up again to, to help guide the family, guide Letty, guide Atticus, and, and empower them. Mm. And I thought what was interesting when we talk about full circle that I thought Ruby and Letty's relationship seemed to do a full 360. Now, mm-hmm. usually when you want something good to happen, you want the 180. No, they did a full 360 where it's like Ruby still just doesn't fuck with Letty. Mm. As, as, as to me, as, as it's illustrated by their conversation at the cemetery uh, in front of their mother's grave, Eloise Baptiste. Once again, shout out to the costume designer because both of them at that scene were looking incredible, boy. Mm-hmm. Oof. Mm-hmm. Dana Pink. Yeah. Fire. Uh, really fire. And finally, well, well, almost finally, but in this whole full circle situation, Ben, you alluded to it. Mm. Atticus is laying on a device with a, and that device's shape resembles a Masonic compass slash protractor, yep. which are both tools used to draw circles and measure angles. And they're often used together. And of yep. course, because it's, it resembles that Masonic symbol, as we all know that that order of the dawn, all these, lodges are all masonic uh, groups yeah in the show and that's interesting in a lot of ways because like we said the masonic and the numbers and everything but also that atticus is sacrificed on this thing 
And so instead of being sacrificed on a cross, he's sacrificed on basically a Masonic cross, you know, which works for this order of the dawn. And it, be, it works and being, for the story. It's on brand. And then being strumbags. <laughs> that too and finally in the whole circle theme or full circle theme as we all know there was there's been such a big uh highlight of christina doing this ritual on during the autumnal equinox uh and it's, both the autumnal and spring equinoxes mark the point on the calendar at which the length of night and day are basically equal and in this context night and day are christina and atticus and with the full moon being so prominent in this episode, episode 10, full moons are also considered to be a sign of death, rebirth, and the completion of a cycle. So once again, that full circle, full moon, double entendre theme. I also love that whenever um, Christina the Ruby is goading basically Letty during their confrontation later in the episode um she brings up like what if Christina starts the ritual early and Letty's like no she won't because she needs the moon to be at its peak and Christina is like Ruby Christina is mm-hmm. like oh witching hour and then Christina's death at the end of the episode is modeled after like a witch's death like they used to stone witches to death by laying stones on top mm-hmm. of them and literally mm-hmm. like dying out and then that's part of the position that Christina's in at the end of the episode. So it's really like a full circle there as well. Like the moon witching hour, white yeah. witch's persecution. And then there's there she is on the ground. Damn, Portia Damn. coming with that heat. Portia I fir- came, wow. I, I forgot didn't even about catch the that. stoning. And, I, and uh, I remember when I learned that, that a lot of people think that stoning is throwing. throwing stones mm-hmm. at people, but it's actually it's laying, like laying big ass stones on rocks. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And and the moon significance, <laughs> the moon has significance in all sorts of, of of genres and stories and cultures and all sorts of things. And it's also p- p- a very spiritual thing because it, it can also represent um, secrets and our moods. Uh, it, it has a level of mysticism to it. It represents our deepest feelings. Um, you know, it influences our internal space. And uh, again, just even literally, like the the moon affects the tides on the planet. So. That's that's something to to remember as you watch this episode. Uh, the next theme we're going into is sacrifice and grief. Um, lots of sacrifice that are that has happened since mm. the previous episode and carries on through it. And one thing I will say I really love about this series, Lovecraft Country, is these themes that we keep tapping into. How they effortlessly are carried over throughout the story as the story progresses. Like there's, there's there's themes that tie from the previous episode into the current episode and then feed into the next. And so there is, even though there's a lot going on and if you try to tell your family members what the show is about, you sound crazy. At the same time, it is, if, if you at least listen to our podcast, how we break it down, it does all make sense and it does all connect. In this one, uh, again, we saw that great-grandmother Hattie, she sacrificed herself in order to make sure Letty got the book of names and that their family could live on. Um, it, as we continue on, we see that, obviously, in terms of sacrifice of grief, Atticus has to let go of his mother, Dora, once again, in order to move on. Um, he gets the Nora. hugger. <laughs> Dora. Uh, Dora. Yeah. It's Dora, Dora yeah. <laughs> in order is it to Dora move. or is it Nora? It's Dora. Oh, okay, so it is Dora the Explorer. Shut up. <laughs> I mean... You know, she is exploring. Yeah, Dora Freeman. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, and interestingly, this is speaking of Atticus and his mother and having to let her go again, he has a similar conversation with Gia. Um, as we know, Gia said that she came, she left 
Korea because her mom passed. And I don't know how long, how much time happened in between that, but her mom passed and, you know, she had to move on. But she, she also went through a period of grief. She didn't realize what the feelings were. And Atticus explains to Gia, like, when you lose someone close to you, you lose a part of yourself. Uh, and, and particularly when she grieved losing Atticus, that was also a, a grief, a grieving point for her. And he teaches Gia that this feeling is called grief and that we now see that, that that's a human aspect that Gia is striving for, considering she's a Camille. Mm. Um, this episode broke my heart. Like a lot of these episodes have broken my heart, uh, yeah. you know, having lost my mom recently and then seeing Atticus having to, you know, let go of his mother like twice is, you know, ridiculous. But then at the same time, I felt like Atticus, as much as he gave Gia the whole speech about family, he's also using her in the same way that Ruby accuses Letty of using her. Like, he streams on her and barts on her and everything, and then when he needs her, he's like, yo, what's good? You know, come on back to the fam and everything. So, you know, yeah. I was a little, you know... Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, Atticus is still a monster. <laughs> he also sacrifices himself. Yeah, well, you know, Atticus, monsters do that. Atticus does sacrifice himself in order to help Letty and Gia bind Christina. Um, and also akin to what, what Portia said about binding, like that's a very witchy, witches, warlocks thing, uh, term. Like, mm -hmm. uh, if you, the craft prime example where, you know, they, they bind, um, the, the girl that lost her mind at the end. I forgot her name, but you know, that, that, that understanding of binding. And mm -hmm. then obviously, uh, well, or maybe not as obviously, but something we recognize, uh, D AKA the D 1000, she essentially sacrificed her innocence when she killed Christina. Now there are now there are going to be, and I know there are in this group some thoughts about Dee's decision making and why she did that, and whether or not that was in her character or not. We'll I have my that. own thoughts, but um, you know, it, it, we, we, I just wanted to make that point because it's. I think that's going to be a contentious point for a lot of viewers. Mm -hmm. That how she how she changes up in a way, um, but also you know, and and maybe more basic terms d kind of sacrifice well she didn't sacrifice it herself but her left arm is sacrificed that's yes. her arm that she used to draw um and and it's gone now um she does get a replaced robotic arm but because she's in a different mind space now because she's in a different now point of her life she sacrificed her innocence she may stop drawing going forward or maybe she will continue who knows and it's also kind of a a indicator of her her personal journey as a, as a person, her journey as a young black woman and everything she's gone through. And I say this because everything with D happened all at once. Like her mother just wasn't, you know, her mother disappeared. Her, one of her best friends, Bobo, Emmett Till was killed. Mm. Um, they lied about where her mother was. And then when she found out, you know, she, she's obviously angry. Her, she, she feels her mother effectively abandoned her uh, and then she had the curse put on her. <clears throat> this all kind of happened, I, I, again, happened with a short time period, but all happened at once. And and D during her, her I don't want to say arguing, but when she was yelling at her mom about feeling like she abandoned her, she was just like, you couldn't have done anything to help me anyway. Fam, D's arm turned to Groot. It did look like Root, not Root. Yeah. It did look like Root. Uh, and, and Ben mentioned this before. Um, in, in Star Wars, when Luke Skywalker, he loses one of his arms. Yes. Or uh, his hand. 
Uh, but was it his left? Was it all? Is it always the left? I don't know if it's always left. But the point I'm is, not they, sure. Yeah. And throughout Star Wars, somebody right, loses lo- yeah. loses a limb every time. But you know, once that happens, his personality starts to change, and then you see this happen with D. Like once that that her arm, like even though they get her, she doesn't become topsy anymore. Her arms remains with that with that curse, with that scar of everything she's been through. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna also lead to her personality evolving and developing as she moves on as she grows up and jumps leaps and bounds yeah and also (laughs) even like the death of Emmett that made her grow up too fast because Mm -hmm. kids let alone black kids should not have to ever experience anything like that but they do every time and that's Mm -hmm. what Montrose talks about you know yeah there's not a generation who doesn't grow up with somebody like that and and I think about like it's a lot of parallels there to like Trayvon Martin's friend who had to go to mm-hmm. trial and they just like didn't even like they disregarded her testimony and all the things that happened just because she's a black girl who you know they you know people don't tend to listen to black girls anyways mm-hmm. and then she just um, had the misfortune of being the type of black girl that people like to disregard all the time mm-hmm. um, reminds me a lot of that but also I'm thinking about with D um, we don't know how much of the topsy curse she like what she went through in her mind while she was still a top C like she was mm-hmm. transforming so we don't know how much of like that killer instinct is kind of like maybe that's kind of mm. like left over like maybe that just kind of came with her and that's kind mm-hmm. of what her first inclination to do to Christina was was like boom I'm ready for retribution I mean I've been ready like to kill people that have been fighting it and now it's yeah. a really good effort- opportunity to do it you know <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we saw how Groot got down, so you know she was I'm killing so for good for per se. Oh. You know, uh, 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 all right. So are we just gonna talk about this right now. Are we just gonna talk about you know her um, murking out Christina? Or are we gonna s- save that for a little later? Uh, uh we gonna get there. We gonna get okay, there. Okay, let's right, let's save okay. that. Yeah. But we gotta talk about something that that this episode and this series, but this episode particularly has a lot of heart mm. when it comes to family and ancestors mm-hmm. and the and the different manifestations of family or, or whether or not you believe someone is your family or they're not your family mm-hmm. and kind of the understanding that just because you're blood it doesn't mean your family and also in reverse even if you are blood you even if you are not blood you're still family we mm-hmm. see that all the time in real life where you say that's my that's my play cousin that's this and then that like i consider ben at me my brother we are not blood but that is my brother same thing with Portia. I consider that my sister, but it, it's like we, the state Negro pod is our own family and mm-hmm. we've gone through our own trials and tribulations, um, both together and separately. So it, it gives you the understanding that family may be blood, but also family is who you choose. Yep. Thanks. And again, as mentioned, we see this manifested in different ways. When, when Letty and Ruby are at the grave of their mother, uh, uh Ru- F- Ruby says, is, does Ruby say that? She says, family is not an obligation. It is acceptance. It is a willingness to sacrifice That's everything. Letty. That's yeah. Letty. Letty says, family is not an obligation. It is acceptance. It is a willingness to sacrifice everything that is necessary in order to protect it. I need my sister to choose to be my family right now. Right then and there, Letty is giving Ruby the choice. Like, please be my family. Mm-hmm. It is also, in a way, her using Ruby. Because Ruby even calls it out. Ruby says, you're right but that you keep getting family wrong and that she's continued to get it wrong and doesn't even realize that she's still doing it. And she says to her, you only want to be my <sighs> sister when you need something. Truth be told. That's a lot of families though, right? Like when, if, if 
a lot of people, like, when they get on, they got to be worried about their family trying to hit them up for things because they're like, you know, y'all didn't care about me whenever it was Christmas time of 06, but here I am with money. And you're like, what, what, what's going on? So, so here Ruby is with, with the white magic. And now I got put on. She got put on and now Letty need her help. Huh. But Letty's gone to her for help every single, like from the mm-hmm. fr- first episode. Mm-hmm. Like all Letty is like, Letty's the sibling that always needs a handout. Like, Money, housing. Something, you know. Food, entertainment. Magic. And doesn't listen whenever you Magic. tell her, like, oh, you can do this for yourself. Just go get a job or whatever. And she's like, I don't want a maid job. I'm like, I mean, don't nobody want a maid job. But if you mm-hmm. ain't got no skills, what you gonna do? Especially mm. when you're in that strong. Talk about you was in jail, you know, couldn't even make it to your mother's Can't make it funeral. to your mom's funeral because you was in jail. And mm-hmm. that just continues on the thought that Ruby has that Letty is a selfish person. And why Ruby and, and, and some people try to I've seen it on Twitter. Some people say Ruby is the villain of this story. Yeah. Which is wild and bugged out to me. But I also my thing is also like there's a lot of things that Ruby has gone through where she's justified in how she treats Letty. Yes. Or how she, and I won't even say treats, how she responds to Letty, because it's Letty treating her a certain way, and Ruby is is putting up boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep using me. Can't, now, can't keep interrupting me. Right. Now, her methods may be questionable, but I, I don't fault Ruby all the way for how it goes, how their relationship ends up going back to where they started, essentially. And, and that's what great writing, you know, and great characters are about, you know, where you understand where they come from. And they're not villains, really. They're just living their life and things happen, you know. People get pushed out of rooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms, I'm you just know, reminded Sean. of what, what the reference we made last episode. Like, a lot of things go down when you're in the elevator. Uh, yep, and I then knew, a lot of yep. went down. <laughs> like, yep. Betty literally went out of a window. Yeah, I mean, you know, things went down. There was no elevator. Keep oh. keep it in with the theme of family. That was uh, cold. Uh, I, I'm going to yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. Jeez. We we see we saw it in <laughs> episode nine, but we see it again. Atticus is protected, as is as other people in the family, but Atticus is protected by the magic and power of his family. That he's enhanced. They are enhanced mm-hmm. and protected by the power of his mother Dora, his great grandmother Hattie, his ancestor Hannah. Letty learns magic from Hattie and learns that she has her own burden to bear. She has her own choices and her own mission. Atticus, when Atticus explains to Gia and the bar about family, he says, our connection and our intertwined destinies make us family. Again, Plus, I need you right now. I need you. So as Benami <laughs> said, he's, in a way, he's also using her. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, but also, it's just like, is that a thin line of when you're using someone mm-hmm. versus when you need them because they're part of your family? Like, it, it's just necessary. Is their destiny? Yep, and, for, and when you realize that they are part of your family, but, you know, you realize that right when you needed them. Even though he, Maury, showed her the moment she showed up. Super Like, Maury-er. what is he going to do after, like, if he had lived, what would his relationship <laughs> be with G.I. post him living through this, right? Like, because you know, because when they were in the car, the way Letty side-eyed whenever they were all singing in the backseat and, like, mm-hmm. Atticus, she was like, I know you are not singing along with this bitch. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, Atticus heard from um, who is which of his ancestors did he hear from? From uh, his mom. You know, he's like, his mom was like, look, you know, I had two men. And he's like, word. You know what I mean? 
His words. That's all he heard. That's all he took. I peeped the mission. I got it. I got it. That's all he took from that whole conversation. He's like, word, I can have two women. Word. Uh, and and rounding out the family ancestor theme, the, this as we've seen from the beginning, this ancestral connection between Atticus and Christina, their family, and how they both end up killing each other in the end, mm. in, in ways, uh, and also just the idea that even the book of names, which is used to get this spell to bind Christina and all that, um, th- that book of names belongs to Atticus's family. Mm-hmm. Letty is now his family, and it actually saves Letty at the very end from being fucked up by the darkness. Because if you see, the darkness is actually when she when Letty holds up the book at, right before the scene goes black, and the book deflects all the darkness from Letty, so it protects her in this kind of bubble. There you go. Same darkness that we saw before uh, when they tried to open the gate from Eden. Mm. Oh, that is that same darkness. Full circle. That smote every smote all the whites. Yep. And we're about to smoke. Yeah, we're about to smoke probably everybody there too. You know, it reminded me of smoke of a dementor. Yes. And mm-hmm. also from smoke, Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And also Smoke Monster from Lost, which is one of Misha Green's favorite shows. So ah, there you go. There yep. And we also saw the um I mean we see some parallels to Stephen King and stuff later on and throughout this whole series, which is one of Misha Green's favorite authors. So Wow, wow. I'm understanding where it's all coming from now. I get it. The parallels. The the next themes are dreams and magic. Mm-hmm. Dreams hold such a, a a large portion of this of the series overall. We saw it with the I Am Hippolyta episode. We see it with the dreams that Letty and Atticus continuously keep having about being in the mansion and, and on fire. Uh, particularly in this episode, Attic. Atticus gets to speak to, to his mom and you know he gets to hold her. He speaks to his ancestors and they're and 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 Letty is there too, but they're in this dream like realm because it happens after they pass out that is a flame, which really mm-hmm. did look like hell to me. But we find out later it's, it's technically a safe space for for their ancestors. Mm-hmm. Uh also in dreams, the song that the gang sings in a car all happily on the way to Artem, it repeats the refrain, life could be a dream. Mm-hmm. And so again, just just kind of on is more on the nose, but the whole pushing of is this you know this could potentially be a dream. This is uh, you know there's there's the combination of dream and reality, and understanding where each of these characters are in their journey. And also that you know life could be a dream is such a powerful idea too. That relates to you know things like the Matrix and yeah, just the idea we've talked about this you know once again how everything is created from the same. You know, when you break down atoms to their smallest molecular structure, it's all the same matter. And all of this is created by our imagination and by our perception of the world. And so because of that, life is really a dream, you know, and you really don't know the difference. It's just like with dreams, like you never know the beginning of your dreams. You know, you always wake, you always start them in the middle of them and nobody remembers the beginning of their life. You know, they just started it in the middle of it, you know, so what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. This is more so. Uh, I'm just gonna throw this in the. Oh no, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna save this for later. But okay. moving on to the magic area. Uh, magic. Christina, magic. Chris, voila, magic. <laughs> voila, magic. Uh, Christina tells Ruby that the ingredients of magic are is uh, intention, location, and the body combined with an incantation. So she, she gives her the formula for how magic works in this in this world. Um, you've seen magic used differently in different stories, especially like if you watch um, if you watch anime, the Elwick brothers, 
they they use it's similar to the magic used here where like you need intention and you need a body, you need all this other stuff, but it, but it always goes wrong, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it's similar to this because Christina explains that like you need these, you need this combination to have mag- make magic work, but also there are infinite possibilities of how it could work and infinite possibilities, of how it could not work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the permutations of magic are finite, infinite. Talking about Harry Potter. Uh, oh. This is a lot of like, um, teleportation in Harry Potter, which is, you know, um, operating and disapparating. Like mm-hmm. you have to have to, like, it's like you have the three rules of like determination, destination, and something else. And it's like all the same, like location, body. Mm-hmm. And if it goes wrong, you can splice yourself and your body can be like disformed and disfigured because you haven't put your whole self in one place or another. And there's like all these like different ways of like, you have to be tested and people have mm-hmm. to do it with you in order for you to actually do it well. Um, so that reminds me a lot of like, you're like, there's so many ways that it, it can go wrong. And it, yeah. particularly with your body, like that can be like, oh, yeah. the part that falls apart there. And that's kind of what falls apart here. Like when it comes to um, them capturing the body of Christina, that was supposed to be represented for their counter curse. Mm-hmm. And, and the anime I was referring to is full metal alchemist. And, right in the beginning it's funny you said about body falling apart in the beginning they are doing this this science slash magic but they're doing this spell to try to bring their dead mother back and it's eventually like there's a lot that happens but what ends up happening to the two main characters is one loses his arm and the his brother loses his entire body because they're not balancing with the universe right and as we say these different permutations of magic could go really go south really 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 south or it could, it could go really really north uh and we mentioned the formula of intention location and the body combined with an incantation in terms of this binding magic spell it fits in the formula they needed the body of titus uh and really the body of atticus the location of artem the incantation from the book of adam um and then uh, also you have Letty and Gia and everyone working for that, uh, the, the, uh, the intention piece, the intention yeah. of what they're trying to accomplish here. And also their bodies are also used, like you said, the body of Atticus, the body of Letty, and the body of Gia are all used because they needed that connection yeah. to Christina, to Christina's body to make it all happen as well. And Christina was using, you know, the body of uh, Atticus, the location of Artem, her incantation to make her spell of immortality work. So mm-hmm. all of these, you know, have the same thing. And like Christina says something, you know, very powerful about that. The permutations of magic are infinite. So I think that's a lot of things that can be used for net season, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. On and on. And the ancestor, particularly Hannah, they, they keep explaining or double down on how important magic is to the family. Mm-hmm. And, and, also, what I thought was incredible was that that binding spell was not just for Christina. According to Letty, that binding spell binded not just Christina, but all white people from doing magic. And she says that it's ours now. <laughs> and so what this means is, you know, the book of names will never remain in the, never go back to the possession of white people. Uh, and potentially is a hint of what's, what's to come. Like, mm. does this now mean that more black people will be taught how to use magic and actually practice it in the in the postmodern world. Like, what now will happen now that magic has been, if you want to look at it, returned to black people? 
But I think it's also interesting, too, because it's like, this is all a secret. Like, they haven't let more people know that there's magic going on, like, around them. Like, the South Side of Chicago isn't hopping with people trying magic right, right now. So what's going to happen if people just suddenly are just, like, doing something? Magic happens, and it's only... Mm. Like, are we right. going to start having a universe like that comic right. book Black, where Black people are the only ones who have powers, and, like, right. things mm. happen? And that's another thing. Is it really clear whether you need to have quote unquote the power of magic or you just have to have the the formula like Christina explained could anybody do magic like I'm trying to think like obviously everyone in this family they have some connection to Atticus except for Letty but but Letty has Atticus's child so they all have some type of blood connection which is Mm -hmm. why they're can do it does this mean then if I was just random off the street then I could practice magic or no but also like is it is it that it's the same magic? Because the priest woman that come, came in that episode where she but did the thing to the house, like whenever they're mm-hmm. trying to get the ghost out, that's not the same magic as the Book of Adam magic. Yep. So it doesn't. who's to say that it, all the magic has to be Book of Adam magic going forward? Yeah. It could all just be like Black people will all be able to do different kinds of magics. Yeah. And who's to say that all white magic is taken from them? You know, like, or is it just the Book of Adam, Adam. magic? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that that reminds me that they and, and this is a directorial choice that they very prominently kept featuring that blood X, the goat's blood X mm-hmm. that was on the door. Like it's like they keep every episode episode yeah. they keep yeah. focusing in on that. And I mean, I don't know if you guys that if you both have any other thoughts on that, but and again, that that speaks more to the magic part. But it also speaks to the religion and to the Bible and to God, you know, and that's something that comes up in this episode. And Atticus looks at it like he's going to wipe it away and then realizes it's still important and keeps moving. So I think that's part of the whole thing that our magic, you know, comes from other places as well. It's not just from some book or some formula. You know, our magic has a lot of different ways of its uh, expressing itself and being expressed. And also goes into like what Hannah said and what Tatiana was talking about earlier about like Hannah said um, that like whenever Titus confronts her and is like, you stole my book. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what's stolen cannot be, it's not yep. like stole, it's not yours or whatever. And mm-hmm. like basically like Tatiana was talking before the podcast about like colonization and white people, how they just like, it seems like that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And so maybe like anyone who, it would be interesting if the spell was about like um, keeping anyone who would colonize magic from being able to practice magic, but it's about white people in particular. So mm-hmm. what is what's going to happen when it comes to magic and the users and the various forms it's used by? Are people going to take it? Is it what's going to happen with it? What happens when Doctor Umar gets some magic? <laughs> you know what happens? Yes. With Ter- what happens when Terry Crews gets some magic? Donations. You know, does Terry Crews get magic? That's the oh, question. Yeah, that, you know, you got to ask these questions, you know what I mean? Does Kanye get magic? Oh, you know? God, world. I mean, Kanye already has magic. You know, that's shown by, you know, his ability to create stuff. And that's something other people, you know, like creators always talk about that being magic, you know, and how you have to put all these things into it. You know, your location, your incantation, you know, your body, your mind into something to create, you know, all the magic, it exist and is expressed in many ways you know it's mm-hmm. not just the magic that they showed it seems to be obvious magic yeah M- magic could also potentially be represented in the form of spirituality mm-hmm. and the church which is the yep. next theme um yes. what does atticus do before before he goes to the final boss battle he levels up with the baptism and you know he does it at the uh request of Letitia and 
Letitia is like finding her own spirituality again after saying that she did not have faith in everything. She says that she has found God in themselves, you know, and it's a really powerful and dope scene in a lot of ways because Christianity, especially in America and as it regards to black people, has such a complicated history because it's been used to suppress and oppress us so much, but we've also found such faith and strength in it. And so it has this dichotomy that's always, even personally, has bugged me out. Because like I've said before, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. My grandfather on my mother's side was a preacher. I still have two uncles who are you know, pastors now. And so it's just something that's deep-rooted in my family and something I've always questioned and thought about because of how it's been used to oppress us at the same time. But Letty is like, thank you for doing this for me. You know, She says, I see the God in you. I see the God in myself. And later on, that allows her to cast a spell that saves them, you know, having this faith in herself, having this faith in God. But like I said, I love how they use it in that way, because normally Christianity for black people is like, oh, Jesus is going to come and save us. Mm -hmm. But in this way, it's like, no, we find Jesus, we find God in ourselves and God will help you. But you have to put your own foot forward to save yourself first. Got to have one for every one of these crackers. Oh, God. Uh, there were there were both overt and kind of covert references to the church. Yep. Uh, I saw it in Gia in her her style of dress when she was at the Drake Hotel in the hotel bar. Mm-hmm. Her at least the top part of her outfit it resembled a papal outfit, particular specifically a cardinal's outfit. She had on this this kind of almost flat red cap and then a short red red cape. And uh, as I mentioned, that that's actually resembles a cardinal's outfit. A cardinal is a member of um, of the Catholic the Roman Catholic Church. Their duties include electing the pope, acting like counselors, aiding the government. So if Atticus is the church, Gia is his cardinal. And uh, her red hat resembles a cardinal's beretta. That's the actual name of that red hat, that, that short cap. And the short cape looks like a mozzetta. Mm. Well, again, the actual name of that. Yep. And also the baptism and the water, you know, helps them. And the next thing would be they have to deal with fire throughout mm-hmm. this. So it's like being reborn. Atticus is reborn. And he's also he's saved in the eyes of the Lord, you know, according to a baptism. You know, that means you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so you're saved. All your old sins, your sinner man ways are, you know, repented. And then after that, we see Atticus hearing the song. Well, I mean, he doesn't hear it, but the song playing is I am blessed. So it's like, you know, his old ways of being a monster, you know, have been, you know, drawn before him. And now he's ready to be, you know, sacrifice himself and save everyone else. Yeah. It hurts. And also (laughs) hurts when breathe. Yes. Also, salt was used very prominently Mm -hmm. in this episode. And salt has a lot of biblical connotations to it. The Bible contains numerous references to salt and is used metaphorically to signify things like permanence. If you think about like Lot's wife, she turns into a pillar of salt um, when she looks back and was not supposed to look back. Do not look back at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can represent loyalty, durability, fidelity, usefulness, value, and purification. And we know that it's used to help um, both amplify and, and perform the boundaries of their, of their, I almost call them prayer circles, but of their, of their spells. Um, they do, when Letty and Atticus pour that salt around that symbol in the temple of doom, mm-hmm. um, when Atticus is walking in the woods of Artem and Montrose is following behind him with all the salt, like they're doing the salt path, 
Um, and I, I'm still not sure what was the point of the salt path at the end of the episode. Like, I thought they were before. I thought they were also, um, were they purifying the grounds? Like what were they? No, no. I thought when they were, when he eats the flesh and everything, I thought that they used the salt to form the symbol of their family. The Letty and Atticus did that, but in the woods, when it was just Montrose and Atticus, no, that's what I thought then. I thought that's what Montrose was doing with the salt. He's forming this, like he's doing a giant version of the symbol. Yeah, that's what I thought he was doing. Why didn't we see it? True, what you think, Portia? I mean, salt is also used like for, I mean, purification, right? So, like, salt heals all wounds or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm thinking about. Um, what happened in the first time that they went to Artem, the first time they went to the museum and um, background or whatever, right? Like they have to like cleanse the wound of what ha- transpired there um, earlier. And then also like that, like just thinking about the like tomb area, whatever, because like that's the museum, right? Is it not? Yeah. Well, the tomb is technically under the museum. Well, who First of all, it's like another dimension, like, right? Basically, <laughs> I'm like, this is this is giving me Game of Thrones vibes again. Of like, how did they get there from the there when the, the dragons? Yeah. Anyways, so like, it's giving because like for me, whenever they were in that scene, it automatically just brought back to like when they were back in the elevator. It gave me like for them to come full circle, and then for Yami- Yahima not to mean anything in the full circle of things, kind of like hit me again. Yes. Like, it's like that happened and it didn't serve a purpose. Like they're coming back around to this journey and Yahima's not even like mentioned. And it just like bothered me. Um, like what was the point of that character being there if you weren't going to have them serve like a purpose to the story? Um, so it just, remind- it just rubbed me again. It just reminded me of Montrose right, right. and his monstrousness and but also- all the things. <laughs> what, I, what I'm thinking about also with Montrose doing the salt following Atticus in the woods, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about salting the earth, right? Yeah, salting and, the earth behind and, you. And usually that's actually a ritual of, you do that when you, you spread that on conquered cities and it's supposed to symbolize like a curse on them being able to re-inhabit that space. Like if you yeah. literally salt the earth, like things you cannot grow it. there. Yeah. You can't till it. The plants and and vegetation can't grow there, so it, it's 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 both symbolic and and literal that that you know that's the end of that for you. Like it's going to be quiet for you after we do this. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's also what that was about. Yep, salt on the earth. Fuck yep. out of here. Fuck them kids. <laughs> Montrose <laughs> always on brand. <laughs> always on brand. Always on brand. Uh, always on beat. Yes. And. Another theme that came up again was fire. We we heard about fire lots of times before. And Ben, I mean, you had mentioned that, you know, they, they went through this baptism mm-hmm. to kind of cleanse themselves. Uh, you know, the, the opposite of, of, of fire is water. Yep. Um, and it, we see that this whole full circle between the relationship of water and fire, um, particularly when, when I mentioned before, Letty and Atticus pass out after they open the book of names. They end up in that dream world that's surrounded by flame. Uh, I thought that place was hell. They, ha- Hannah says, no, actually, it's a place where our ancestors can be safe. I'm like, it looked wild to me. When- but that's because that's uh, Hannah's own uh, reflection on it because she right. burned herself up and all that. So now, right. you know. Right. It's a home reflection of how she went out. Yeah. Uh, and I could be reaching, but when they when Letty and the ancestors and Atticus were saying the incantation to summon <laughs> Titus Braithwaite, <laughs> I swore they were saying the devil in some form. Like they, I heard Azul. I heard a whole bunch of shit, even though Azul yeah. means blue in Spanish. But still, I heard all sorts of things. So were they reciting the words white devil? I mean, my my favorite part of that. I it could cannot, be a reach, but. 
It, it, it could be. But my favorite part of that scene is when Titus reappears in front of Christina and says, those niggas have the book of, and they get snatched back. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that I could not stop. For me, I was like, I was it taken was so in random. by how like it seemed like in the time, like in the meantime, while he was like getting over to Christina, like they had summoned the rest of the ancestors, so like they had to have the other ancestors there to grab him back and keep him in that mm-hmm. place or whatever. Yeah. So he wasn't expecting to like come back to like a whole room of Negroes. He's yeah. like, <laughs> he's like, one or two of y'all I can deal with, but no, not the book of that. Circle of Negroes. My man was so hurt. He was like, What have you done, granddaughter? In the previous episode, we all remember the incredible pro- uh, poem, Catch the Fire. Mm. by Sonia Sanchez and that theme of fire happens again as I mentioned when they're in that dream realm when Hannix was explaining the importance of magic to Atticus during their conversation she literally catches fire and passes it on to Atticus Mm. so I thought that was a that was a just like a a personal point to the both of those characters about again catching your fire using your inherent power to help your family to build up your family to protect them also, Hattie nature. literally died because she caught fire. Mm. Hattie literally died when she caught fire. Exactly. Um, again, the the when Gia met up with Atticus, there was a single candle, a single flame on that table at the bar. Uh, Gia is a source of that contributing fire, that fire to uplift and help move the family forward, and and in in essence, black people too. But also, um, when they say yeah. the phrase, when you hold a candle or hold a torch for someone, you know your yes. heart still burns for someone. And we, Gia holds the torch for Atticus. At the, the Church of Atticus is open when it comes to Gia. Also, oh, also vice versa. You know, Atticus might, I mean, well, not anymore because he's done. But, you know, tr- <laughs> my man was trying to make two wives happen. No problem. You, you really know? think he was going to? Fam. He, he, look, he learned it from his mama and his daddy. You know, it runs in the family. Daddies. 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 Yo. <laughs> the and- zaddies. Yeah, learned it from the zaddies. And I thought when when Christina barged in the shop, <laughs> that dress she was wearing with patterns, it was like a black dress with orangey patterns. It resembled mm-hmm. flames to me. Yep. And it also had that yellow and black, like Wu-Tang. That shirt was fire, boy. I mean, that dress Wu-Tang was fire, boy. <laughs> Man, these, these, these costumes. Are like, what, what's her name? Say her name one more time. Cause... Dana Pink? Oof, yeah. I Salute. Believe, yeah, Dana Pink. I just want to make sure, yes. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, the work. Incredible costuming. Yeah, the work. Even Atticus's shirt in that scene when Christina busts in, he got the little shirt with the two buttons. Like, it was nice. The details I, on that shirt, real nice. I was trying nice. to figure out if it was a real brand. That that polo that Atticus was wearing mm-hmm. when he was salting the earth, it had that little crown on the breast. With yeah. The breast the heart, I was, I was like, okay. I, I that was very the, specific. So I was just like, what's that about? So. There's a site that shows you, you know, where people like on TV, where they're getting their clothes from. I might have to look up Atticus's shirt okay. right there because that I shit was like, dope. Okay, you know, crown Royal, I see you. <laughs> you know, it is black. <laughs> crown Royal. He was, it was like a Crown Royal yeah. symbol to me. Uh <laughs> My man drank enough bottles and sent off and got the shirt. <laughs> I mean, it was the 50s. That's what happened back then. That's why I'm not, you know, like, you could probably get a whole crown he went royal the wardrobe back then. And he was like, oh, okay, if I, if I mail in five simple receipts, I can get, <laughs> I qualify oh for the crown royal. Not five receipts, though. Five box yeah. tops. Yes, yes. Five Yo. bottles. Like, five Yo. bottle caps. <laughs> 
Yo. Okay. Uh, another theme <laughs> is monsters and heroes. And mm. Atticus, Atticus brings up this theme, particularly to Gia. And again, in the bar of the Drake Hotel, he says, you reminded me that we have a choice. We could be monsters <laughs> or we could be heroes. <laughs> and as the series in this episode progresses, all the characters and all the different stories and everything that's happening, people are going through monster or hero choices throughout their lives throughout this experience. Uh, there are lots of examples. Uh, when Christina throws, well, Christina as Ruby <laughs> throws Letty out of the window of that tower. It's like Jamie Lannister pushing Bran Stark out of the tower in Game of Thrones. <laughs> and we still laugh about that. We're just like, you're not supposed to laugh about a kid getting thrown out of the tower, but... It was the pretty way much it happened. the same. Yeah, the, the same. Way it happened. Oh, and I laughed. I laughed. I laughed at both of them. Well, sorry. What did Jamie say? Jamie said the things we do for love. Things we do for love. And push folks, that nigga and out push the tower. Push that man right out the tower. Yeah. Like, not even looking at him too. And, like and in backhanded a way, my man. And in a way, Christina slash Ruby is Christina as Ruby is echoing that because she yeah she yes kills Letty, but then as we see in a later montage. She speaks a spell to essentially give that mark of Cain back to Letty so she doesn't die. And we know that that happens because she says that she promised Ruby that she would not let harm come to Letty. So she's keeping her promises and she's doing, if we want to pretend that she really does love Ruby, I say pretend because I still don't believe it. I can. Maybe she's doing this for love, just like Jamie Lannister. Mm-hmm. No, she, she loves Ruby. The, no, I, I will. No, listen, this thing, she loves Ruby. Ugh. But she loves herself more than anyone. Okay. You know, My and, thing is, she's yep. a sociopath. And there we she go. loves in the that way part. that a sociopath loves, which is not go. an actual way to love anyone. It's just, it's a heart. It's a strong emotion. She yeah. feels for this person up until she's ready to kill her, which she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, up until, yes. yeah, you get in the way, just like the rest of her family. She probably loved her dad, everybody. But it was like, nope, oh, well, you know, turn mm-hmm. y'all, what, what would you say, Pompeii, y'all niggas? Uh, Montrose being a monster to Atticus as a father but he could be a potential hero to Atticus's son Atticus says in that letter to Montrose that that we hear in the voiceover at the end Atticus says you can be the father you've always wanted to be to to little George Mm. so many breathe but I just do we really believe Montrose is going to be a good grandfather? <laughs> God damn! I think that he's in his redemption. He's in the yes. middle of his redemption arc right now because after <laughs> they go back to, to Tulsa in 1921, like after they go back to Tulsa and, and Montrose is drinking and carrying on and he sits there and realizes Atticus is the stranger. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's the, the marking of, of, of Montrose becoming a better person. Is he a better person right now? No. No. Is he in the throes of becoming a better person? Yes. Yes. So I do think that eventually, by by the time little George is born, Atticus, I mean, excuse me, Montrose is going to be a better father figure. Yes. Interesting. Yep. I think he is working towards being better. I'm not going to sit here and say he's just going to change up and be perfect. But you've seen it all the time. You've seen it in stories. You've seen it in real life where people say, yo, my mom's was horrible to me. But then they get a grandkid mm-hmm. and they treat them like princesses and princes. Mm. You I, see that happen all the I, time. I, yes. But I also wonder Damn, if he's, he's had bad. all this death happen <laughs> in his life and he's going to just be like, well, F it. I'm going to just go do me for he's a while. Also, but listen, he's, all, he's seen his brother die. Yes, that's what that's his, his, his about. Atticus, I like mm-hmm. all these people. And remember, at that that very heartfelt point when they was having a conversation, him and Atticus having a conversation in the alleyway in Tulsa, Marshall said, "No, you know, I wanted you, 
I like at Macho. There mm-hmm. was intention. At the end of the day, regardless of all the fucked up shit Macho's did, and again, this is not saying Macho's is not without blame. I'm just saying Macho's did come to realization. Like at the end of the day, he always wanted Atticus. He always mm-hmm. wanted this son, and he really did want to have a better relationship. He just went about it completely wrong. Mm. I mean, I think that the thing that Atticus says is you can be the father you always wanted to be, like you always wanted. You can be the father you always wanted. What kind of father <laughs> does Montrose want? What is he going to model? Because what I feel like what we th- whatever you may think Ma- is a good grandfather or a good father is not the yeah. same thing that Mancho thinks is a good father right. or grandfather. But, but Mancho's wants love. And and mm-hmm. he, he he that's been illustrated and explained to him. Like he just wanted to be uh, ex- love and acceptance. He just wanted yeah. to be accepted by his father. His father didn't accept him because he was gay. His all of this bullshit his father did to him, he just repeated to Atticus. That's all at the end of the day, that's that's to me, Montrose's prime directive. I want to be loved and I want to be accepted. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he does it. We'll see if he does it. Exactly. That's why I'm like, I'm not gonna sit here and be team Montrose. I still think he's trash bag, but I do think that he's on the path to redemption. So here's my question then. If Atticus is gone, then who's the golden trash bag? Is it Montrose? Or is it Atticus by word by means of his survival? I mean his uh sacrifice. Son. Oh, let me say. <laughs> no, I think it? I had little George. <laughs> I mean, right now, yes. You know, he comes out pure. You know, you got to give him a chance to turn trash. Yeah. So he's still golden. Little right. George is golden. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this reminds me of um, this whole thing about monsters and heroes. Even though some people think Ruby is a villain in some ways, Ruby also said that she wanted to use her access to magic and that power to help black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, help herself. Help herself, but she yeah, said help. She did black. say she's help a black, black person. Black. <laughs> yeah, that's how I think this is Oh, black people me. means her. Yeah, okay. I think that's We have literal monsters <laughs> being heroes. The the hashtag Blugoth, the black Shogoth, is a Shout monster. Shout out to Misha Green. Shout out to Misha Green. And that's another thing. Thank you, Misha Green, for for giving Benjamin his props and giving him the credit for coming up with the term Blugoth. Thank you for the tweet. But yeah, if the, y'all only knew about the weekend we had. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, literal monster. The Blugoth is a monster on paper, but a hero in practice. He saves Atticus and Letty when they have that shootout in front of the house, uh, and it also saves D when that white Shogoth pops up. Two of them. Two of them serves them. Serves them, and now it seemingly seemingly will be as we also see from the montage that Atticus introduces Blugoth to D. And you know, and they they become best friends and that's her lassie and shit. So that's 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 her man's now. The block off the block off is, is Dee's pet. Mm-hmm. Rolling with the block off. If only the block off could have been rolling with Bobo. Oh, it's a different Sorry. world from where we came from. Very different. Yeah. Ben, mm. you had a, a point here about monsters and heroes. Did I now? Um. This is what and you wanted I, to talk about. Yeah, I think Portia, everybody, I think all of us have. We all know, do. This, yeah, we all got something to say. What was up with Diana choking out Christina while the blog off watch was like, damn, son, you know, like, you going to do that? Is she a monster? You're like, um, it, it felt like out of character for her, but, you know, it made me think, like, because remember, um, Atticus goes into the future. And he's like, white people are riding. Some woman with a metal arm pushes me back through the portal. So is Diana just going around in the future choking out white people one by one? You know, did she roll up on Christina and was like, it's so many questions I have right there. Because, you know, the family's walking back to the car. Uh, D was in the car, you know, with the blog off, chilling. 
So did she like, <laughs> did she go into the woods, you know, wander around there? Did she see them walking back? It was like, oh shit, Atticus dead. Oh no, hold on. Let me go see, you know, go around there, choke her out. Or did she just come around to Christina, you know, just to see an opportunity to see what that arm right. do, you know? Well, there's some of those, some of all that is in there, is mixed in. I think when we look at Diana's journey as a character, mm-hmm. again, she came, she she was this very innocent young lady, mm. and she's she went through a whole bunch of trauma, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, mm. And at the end, like 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 in this episode, you see her like when she's in that room by herself, and she's pissed. Like she has so much anger, uh, and and and. I think confusion also in her head, but she's scratching out the faces of the white jury and of mm. the, the people um, because the newspaper she's, she's reading, it says uh, all white male jury acquits the killer, uh, acquits the killer of Emmett Till essentially. And she's scratching out their faces. So there's lots of anger, lots of hurt, lots of pain there. And she, we don't know the, the level of truth that they end up ex- actually telling her, but you see that now D is fully, involved in all of this happening all this magic gauntlet shit and she and if you also think about it the way she marched into the captain's office in the other episode when she spit on man she spit on man she demanded to know what was happening like no mercy no respect all that stuff i think that culmination of stuff happening is what's turning her her personality a bit and why she ends up being this person that's like, you know what? I'm going to start taking shit into my own hands, literally. And she knows. And then remember, she's reading the book. When she's reading the book in the car before she gets attacked by that white Shoggoth, she's reading the passage that where it talks about, uh, she, she says, quote, uh, the, the part of the passage she reads, it says, he knew telling a story was a kind of power, but he also knew it wasn't enough. If they were ever going to truly disrupt the hierarchy of warlocks, they would have to spill blood other than their own. I personally think Dee takes this to heart. Mm. I really do. And combined with everything she's been going through, combined with the anger she feels and the fact that she felt like helpless to save to save uh, Emmett, she felt helpless to save herself, and the fact that she feels like not even her mother could have helped her, mm. she wants to take matters in her own hands. Christina is the witch warlock. You need to get rid of her. D-1000. D one thousand. That's what I'm thinking. Terminator. Why she did all that? I was Are thinking, you Sarah Connor? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like in the setup of it all, like how I've been saying, like did she watch them walk by and it was like, oh, oh, oh for real? Like I'm suffering to go. I thought that, like, I was like, why didn't they? Why didn't they? Ki- why did they finish the job and kill Christina? They was like, oh, she's just gonna go out anyway. She, I mean, she's she's a white witch and gets stoned to death like her brethren. It's all like mm-hmm. they took her, like they took her magic away, but like she's still. Cap- uh, if she wasn't buried in rock, she's still capable of doing what Definitely humans can them. do. Heinous things, killing, yeah. all that. So why didn't they kill her? I mean, uh, but I feel like also, I I, I would have been fine with her the, her being left alive because I would have wanted to know what happens to like Ruby and every, or, like who's going to, how are they going to find about Ruby and where Ruby is and all Ruby's sidebar. Yeah. They'll figure sidebar. it out. Right. Um, but my thing is like when it comes to um, D, I was thinking about like when they finally cast the spell, all the white magic is taken away. Does that mean all the white shoggoths that were surrounding them were taken away? Then, then did, did that make her have a realization like, oh crap? So there, these are not things that are a, an issue for me anymore. Let me go see what's going on. If she's going to go see what's going on, she misses seeing like Atticus and her family walking mm-hmm. one way, and she just comes upon the scene, and she's like, oh. 
homegirls just laying here ready for like to be taken out. <laughs> so <laughs> that's I guess that's what I'm gonna do. Like, and I I wonder if that's because the way that she unveils her arm, and I know that's for kind of like the audience to know, like, oh, see, she got the arm. It was mm-hmm. it was very superhero moment. Yeah. Very Terminator too. Also, when uh, the Terminator peels the skin off his arm to show off his robot arm and flexes mm-hmm. it. It's the same, like, pretty much damn near the same shot. Yeah. And, and Hippolyta's lab, which I can't wait to see. I hope we get to see that. Please let there be a season two. Please let us see this lab. Mm-hmm. Whatever lab she got going on, the tools, first of all, where she get those materials from, but the tools she used to build Diana that arm. What or, if she went somewhere to That's what I'm saying. Did built? she build it? That's or maybe it already, you know, someone else did it for her. But yeah. I was just thinking about... Like I so I didn't think Hippolyta I didn't think it was a lab that Hippolyta had. I thought it was like a trans like a portal. Yeah, I thought well, so I heard too. bubbling and I heard machinery, so I thought it was I a thought lab. that was the Ori thing that I Could thought be. they'd taken the joint from the Ori and brought it home. Could be. Yeah, but, that's what my thing. So, you know, Hippolyta yeah. ain't gonna leave that behind shit. Right, this is my, looking, I'm I'm rolling now. Right. Hippolyta's <laughs> like, been she is, is so happy about all the journey she's been on. And I can just see her wanting to share that journey with her daughter. Yeah. So there's no way Hippolyta's gonna leave her only means to travel like through mm-hmm. dimensions yeah. and time alone. She's gonna bring it with her. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, so her hair didn't turn blue and you know, she ain't get shot by a lightning for all She don't have those surgical implants to her wrist for nothing. Okay. Thank you. Facts. And D one thousand ain't you know then drove through Groot arm to robot arm for nothing either. So <laughs> also like so that was one thing I like and I know it's probably in the notes like the blood like whenever D grips Christina's throat yeah. or whatever and then she oh, yeah. like the but the way the blood seeps into the mechanical like arm and kind of like just like it's just eerie. It's and also it's yeah, and it's it's funny to me because as a kid like we were talking about Luke Skywalker earlier and as a kid I remember. There's a scene in Return of the Jedi when he's after he's messing up Vader and everything, and the Emperor's talking to him, and he looks down at his hand, and he's like, oh, this robot hand, you know? And it's like that evil part of me, just like Vader is mostly robot, you know? Yeah. And, and because of that, he feels like that's the inhuman part of him, and he's like succumbing to the dark side or whatever. And I was like, damn, they just don't, you know, her mom just got her this new arm, and look at her damn blood he all over rolled up, unfurled her arm, and then just yeah, oh. let me see what this do. Yeah. Oh, oh, it worked fine. But you know, like I said, why are white people riding in the future? Is it because D is out there choking them out one by one? I mean, so there's the thing though: is that the white <laughs> people are riding because of D, or is D using the opportunity of white people riding to take them out? <laughs> right. I, I think D is using any opportunity to take That's white people out at this point. Like they're all they're all riding, or, or are they riding because they're they're fed up because not all the black people got all this magic, yeah. and here we are, we're powerless. Black and he is out here choking Black us out one by one, you know. Her blog off ate my brother the other day. Like, yeah, you know, I'd be riding too, honestly. Like, you know. <laughs> Keep it real. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Portia, your mention of blood takes us to our second to last theme of vampirism. Ben, I mean, you have to do it. Vampire. Vampirism. Christina is Bill Compton. Okay, we're just going to name every vampire character from True Blood. Yep. Uh, and she is Christine from Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's Christine, boy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we see that when she slashes Atticus's wrist, she literally bathes in his blood. Uh, we, we, saw, we saw before the ancestor Hannah said the answer is in Atticus's blood. It's the answer for a lot of people. It's the mm-hmm. answer. And, and, you know, it's the answer for everyone, li- really. It's the yep. answer for Christina becoming immortal or what she, she wants to become immortal. It's the answer to save the family. 
It's the answer to everything. Blood, yep. is, blood is everything. Uh, and, and double entendre there with family. Blood is everything. Um, Christina being reborn in blood after she goes immortal. She, she, she levels up. Uh, she da- <laughs> who wrote that? She damn near I moans. Did. She knows she does. Like and once again, because last when when she was laughing, crying after the Emmett thing, y'all was like nah, and then Misha was like yo, she was yeah, laughing. Yeah, Misha, crying. Like she was laughing, crying. Yeah. Shorty comes up out of the blood. All right, first of all, she you was know, moaning like she's having an orgasm. Oh, you know, like this is the greatest thing ever. Like it was distressing and. It was a straight up Christine moment. She you know, really for those, was moaning though. She was straight up moaning. Look, I just watched. She was again. moaning. No, I, yeah, she was straight up moaning. She was like, "This is the best." But the I was best. Like, that the reminds best. me of True Blood again because there was like a fairy who gave birth and she like was having like an oh, orgasm God. as she was giving birth on the, and yep. I was just like. <laughs> also, Game of Thrones. You know, Shorty giving birth to that demon. You know, she was oh, all kind of oh the yeah. Red Witch. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But uh, shout out to Christine and Stephen King. You know, everyone knows there's the big prom scene at the end where Christine gets bathed in pig's blood. And this was a straight up homage tribute to that because she's wearing the white dress. She gets drenched in the blood. Carrie. Turns, but yeah, I might Carrie, be Carrie. Chris, yeah, Carrie, not Christine. Sorry. Carrie. Now, okay, yeah, not, I thought yeah. maybe, I didn't want to correct you because I thought maybe there was a character named Christine. No, but it's I'm funny. Thinking, I, kept I knew writing, it was Carrie. I kept going back and forth on them, you know, because Christine is the car. Christine is the red car oh, okay. from Stephen King's other book. Okay. And I kept doing the names backwards. So okay. thank I you. Did, I didn't yeah. want to correct you, but now no, that yes, I, I don't need a million people on Twitter correcting <laughs> Again, me. with the with the the cask of Monte Carlo. Fam, all right. solo. Yes. But it was just funny because I was just like, I was like, wait, because that that's Carrie. Yeah, I thought you meant Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. Yeah, because like I said, Christine's the car. And when I was doing my research, I kept typing okay. the wrong name in. I knew we were going to get there, but yeah. there it is, Carrie. All right. So uh, Carrie, blood and all that. Terry moan. I mean, Christina right. moaning. It was terrible. Even though this ends up being a lie that she told Ruby, um, Christina says that that transformation potion required elements of her blood and body mixed with Williams, vampirism. But then she later she said it's not true, but whatever. Uh, and but then no, Chris- no, it, it, it did need her body. That that's why when they didn't have when they had the fake one from fake Ruby, it didn't work until Gia. And all of them connected, you know, connect for transformation. So Ultron the blood that fake but, Ruby but, gave them was Christina not Christina's blood. That, yeah, that Christina, Christina says that potion that Atticus ended up drinking, she said that did not have my blood in it. Yes, but then later on, mm-hmm. Gia sticks her uh, foxtail in her ass and well, gets yeah, her blood. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, that's how the spell works. Point, once, yeah. yeah, once they got her body and it all connected. Yes. yes. Thank you. And finally, Christina was dead ass when she said she needed all of it in regards to Atticus's <sighs> blood. Because she took the giant sword, which actually reminded me of one of the swords that the Dahomey Amazons had mm. in the other episode, the I Am episode. But she she took this big ass fucking butter knife, letter opener, slash Atticus's arms, both arms, and drained him, I believe, of damn near every single ass drop of blood in his body. Much like how vampires do. But what do they say? In a lot of stories, they say vampires are supposed to stop before they drink the very last drop or mm-hmm. they will end up dying. And it's always that sexual orgasmic thing with them too. You know, they always feed, they always get too much, and it's like they get drunk off the blood and they drink them all up. Yeah, she got drunk off it. She got high off of that supply. But talking about mm-hmm. the symbolism of color and stuff too, there, like she was there in that all white dress. She did all mm-hmm. the ceremony, like knew, knowing what she was, you know, all the different things that she was playing into white magic, magic, dark magic, all this stuff. And she's wearing that freaking like stark white dress with her stark white hair yes. and all that crap. And she's just like a white lady. And then she, like, when the blood drenches that dress, the dress looks like it was made to be red. Like, it looks like it was just, like, a red dress that she put on. And it just Mm kind of, like, layers in a way that looks like it's kind of natural. And she just, like, 
it was all part of her whole scheme of being like a vampire mistress of the night. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Straight up. And them eyes, bro. Them. And, them, them eyes are terrible. Yeah. Mm, she's she's a great actress though. Yep. And also, uh, the sword that she cuts him with could also remind people of the spear of destiny. It's called other things, but it's a, a spear or sword that pierces Christ's side when he's on the yes um, cross. Yeah. Yeah. The Church of Atticus, man. And finally, we have the theme, the major theme of these hands. <laughs> because everybody was rocking and boxing this episode. Everybody. I, first of all, I don't know where the random villagers showed up. They popped out of nowhere. <laughs> no, they was ready to catch them. They popped out. Pitchforks. <laughs> they <laughs> were ready with pitchforks. I was looking for some torches because I was like, that would have been perfect. Some torches yeah. and pitchforks. Knocking and bucking in the club, ready to fight. It didn't matter, though, because they had pitchforks and they yeah. caught them hands the same way. <laughs> so the hands thrown between Ruby and Letty in the silo. Oof. Wow. That Yo, was, she threw was, a bucket on her ass, boy. I throw a TV at you Letty crazy. Letty picked up a two by four and slammed. Like, this was, yeah. this was tables, ladders, and chairs match. <laughs> In the fucking silo in Lovecraft Country, like it was wild. Like they were throwing each other, suplexing, like it was wild. The funniest thing to me though is how Letty straight up kicked open the trap door. Like there was no question, like, damn, I wonder if this is my sister. You know how they usually do that in TV shows, and like, I can't fuck Should her up. It, it might was, be my sister. It was no, she was scar like, move. fuck out of here. It was on the Scar Mufasa <laughs> situation, right? Yeah. Here. No, it was, there was no question in her mind. She was like, a word? Okay, you got to die, bitch. You I know? wanted to talk about that a little bit. Like, <laughs> like Racina was literally take, taking over Ruby's body, but at the same time, it's like, you know, like, being a sibling, there's been mm-hmm. times whenever you just want to box out. Man. Like, you just want to fight. And, and even though that fight was technically between fake Ruby mm-hmm. and Letty, you know, I still, it was felt, like, I still felt like there were shades of Ruby's yeah. anger. With yes. Letty. Like, yes. you know she would throw hands on Letty if she could. Yep, and Letty would throw hands on Ruby. It was just, you it's know, those two things. That's just how they It's are. just that pent yeah. tension. They finally got that fight out. Like, right. it's the wrong way. Because yeah. if that was actually Ruby, you know, a different yeah. thing would be going on. But Yeah, like I say, Letty kicking open that trap door, that 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 had real emotion behind it. That <laughs> Without hesitation. That had intention, no incantation, like- <laughs> location, body. It had all the, you know, the magic spell to get rid of her. She was like, this is for you taking my stuff back in 04. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that was some old school shit. This is for you telling mama on me. There was also the major fight with the villagers and Montrose and and Hippolyta Blue. And yeah. Gia Hippolyta Blue went to town putting in all that Amazonian training to work. Can I can I say uh Hippolyta Boo? Because she was looking oh, quite boo. right in oh, that jumpsuit. You like her with the little Kim electric blue hair, didn't you? And, and the jumpsuit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Huh. yes. We saw obviously the blog off putting in work. Yep. Fading the fuck out of the white shoggoths. Mm-hmm. And obviously Diana putting the paw on Christina. Mm. Yeah. Yes. The one hitter quitter. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a it was like a just the choke into yeah. like a like I don't what is that even? Like just like crush you out. <laughs> like the whole esophagus like everything just like erupted. Everything. It just yeah. like uh, crush you like a melon. What crush a way like to a go. Jelly bean. What a way to I'm go. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of Easter eggs and inspirations, uh, we have one very meta one. Um, in a scene where Diana is scratching all the faces on the newspaper, after Hippolyta slides that comic book under the door, Diana asks when she learned to draw like that. And Hippolyta says, quote, an artist named Afua taught me. That's actually a direct reference to real life. Uh, Afua Richardson is one of the art. I don't want I don't know what her exact title is, but she's one of she her art is actually all over. 
the episode, uh, the series, the whole series. And all the art that Dee draws is actually a Flora Richardson's artwork. Um, and I mentioned very meta moment. She's responsible for all that artwork. Um, Flora Richardson is an Eisner award-winning illustrator. She's also a musician and a writer. She's best known for her work on um, Black Panther. Um, she, she's also won a Glad Media Award back in 2018. Mm-hmm. And she's a comic book illustrator. So she's worked on X-Men 92, All-Star Batman. She, I mean, she's worked on so many different things. Incredible black woman artist. Um, and, and Friend of the ha- show. And friend of the show. So to have her in a, in a very awesome way be put into the actual story is really cool. Mm-hmm. Super dope. Yeah. Um, as we know, Atticus and Gia meet up at the Drake Hotel, which, was, which is an actual hotel in Chicago. And um, there is some interesting things here about the Drake Hotel. Who wants to talk about that? Yeah, the Drake Hotel. Well, one thing, the Drake Hotel is haunted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's actually another hotel in Chicago that's more famous for being haunted, but... They say there are three distinct ghost stories at the Drake Hotel, and the oldest one is that there's a woman in red, because they say at one party, this woman came in in a red dress and then found out that her lover was cheating on her, went up to the 10th floor, and jumped off the roof. Goddamn. And since then, people have reported seeing her ghost out throughout the Drake Hotel. And she was in red, just like Gia. Yep. Hmm. Mm. And... Uh, particularly, Portia and I noticed this that when Gia and Atticus walked in, we were like, "Oh, so it's like we're thinking like it's the '50s, right? So segregation and stuff." Mm-hmm. We were like, "Oh, they're just free to be up in there, like especially as a as an Asian person and and a black person, like that's cool." But we come to find out, um, the Drake Hotel really was whites only into like the '50s or '60s, and it was actually a location mentioned in that the real life Green Book, the the Negro Motorist Green Book, about. Pl- and it was considered a place open to people of color. So it actually made sense that Gia and Atticus were free to be there. And in on the hotel's website, um, on their own account of their history, the Drake Hotel says throughout the 50s and 60s, the political and social climate of Chicago was evolving. And the, break, and the Drake was inclined to develop alongside the city. Of course, they have this emotionally sappy ass scene in a Drake Hotel. Yeah. Portia, you want to talk about white flight? That's another Easter egg inspiration. White flight, y'all. Um, <laughs> you knew it was coming. Right. Yeah. Um, so white flight from the white area of Chicago where the Winthrop House is located. Um, if you're familiar with the term white flight, that's something that happened all across like America um, in particular, like after redlining and stuff, like um, black people would move into places that were suburban that white folks typically lived in. White people would be like, oh, they got a black family living here and we can't get rid of them? Oh, it's time for us to go. So they would move mm-hmm. flight out. That's how a lot of white people left the city and moved into the burbs. That's like, that counts for a lot of that time period. Um, and so here in the episode, we see Atticus and Letty driving back to the Winthrop house. Um, and as they're driving up, Letty sees another black family moving into the house Um Across, Across the, street. the street, probably. Yeah. yeah, and it's if you think about it, it's the same house that um, whenever oh, yeah, that white family, the white family was like whenever they were having the party, the white family's all on the lawn looking over mm-hmm. and trying to see what's going on. That's the same house. So when you party around the white folks, they're ready to go. Also, when you have bloggers killing uh, cops and in police front of the house. coming through, just popping through your house all That's times what, a night. All that noise that was happening, nobody was looking out their window. Like, no, they were. They were like, were. "Time to go, Helen." You know, right? Like this is it. This is the last <laughs> straw. This is the straw that broke yeah. the camel's back. Time to go, Karen. Yes. They killing the cops. We gotta go. We gotta get out of here. Yeah. The, the black people got monsters to help them yeah, out. Yeah. Mm-mm. 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 
also really funny about that scene is uh the sadness and exhaustion on everyone in Woody as they're coming in and the happiness on the new black family coming into the neighborhood like yay we're here and they don't and you know they're like we done done everything so y'all can live here now you know yeah yeah, yeah. Another Easter egg, we have the that Arithia Blue comic. Mm-hmm. If you look closely at it, it's actually two people, two figures on that on that cover. And it says the name Asteri on the cover. And Asteri looks like it, it, she or they could be Arithia's sidekick, mm-hmm. which would essentially be D, right? D, and that, that, that's also part of, of, uh, of Hippolyta trying to like say sorry apologize to Dee for leaving her behind and all this stuff. Uh, so if you look at it from the perspective of what's in a name, right? So Asteri is also close to Asteria, which is an ancient Greek name. Um, Asteria means star or aster. And Asteria was a daughter of t- two titans. And in addition, in Greek mythology, uh, another name another name for Asteria or Astera is Astria. That person was a, the daughter of Zeus. Um, and she and both Asteri and Asteri's mother were both personifications of justice. Mm. Um, Asteri particularly, or Asteria or Astrea, depending on how you're looking at it, uh, was also associated with innocence and purity. Mm. So that makes a lot of sense to be for that to potentially be a, a reference back to D and be D's kind of Greek superhero name. And even though, Di- to- even though Diana is also uh, related to Hippolyta. So, mm. yeah. And shout out to Shannon Houston, one of the uh, upper level writers and co-executive producers on the show and the host of the official podcast. Yes. Who said that she read a review where they, where they said too many things mean things. <laughs> it's like words mean things. That's kind yeah. of how it works. Yeah. Also in that, in that, uh, if you talk about the comics again, what I realized with Hippolyta with that blue hair, she actually also more, even more closely resembles Wonder Woman mm-hmm. in the old school comics because when you look at the old school comics, they have very limited set of colors to work with. And yep. if you actually Google like old school Wonder Woman, she has, it's supposed to be black, but it's blue hair. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm just like, okay, right there, an even closer connection to Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned it already, Ben, in terms of, of horror movies and, and those horror themes that Misha loves to be, to put all in Lovecraft Country. We see that, that prom scene from Carrie. Mm-hmm. Hardcore. Hard Beautiful shot out. Yeah. 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 And finally, we have our musical notes. The song Ready or Not by the Highland Park Collective featuring Gizzle. That plays when Machos and Letty are going to the basement to get into their special elevator. We also have one of my favorites, Weary by Shalange, which is from her album A Seat at the Table. That plays in a scene where Letty and Atticus are driving home. You see the other black family moving in. Weary. (laughs) Weary. White folks are weary. Lord, everybody's weary, really. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Nina Simone's I Am Blessed when the crew is at the shop preparing to go to Artem. Mm-hmm. The chords song Shaboom, which is what the ensemble cast is singing in the car when they're driving to Adam. Okay. And then Keep Your Lamps Trimmed and Burning by Mississippi Fred McDowell, which is played while Atticus is being sacrificed. A really beautiful song, a really Christian song talking about that God will protect you and keep your lamps trimmed and burning, you know, keep your fire going all Keep your time. fire, keep your light. Yeah, yeah, keep your light, keep your fire going no matter what. No matter what has happened to you, keep going. Indeed. And that's that's Oof. a beautiful way to end our recap and analysis of Lovecraft Country episode 10, the finale episode. Thank y'all. 
Thank y'all so much for being on this journey with us for 10 weeks straight. We've had a blast. As we mentioned at the top of the show, even though this is the end of season one, we hope this was season two, but season one of of Lovecraft Country, this is not the end of the Safe Negro podcast show because we have more episodes coming, more uh, events happening. So just mm-hmm. make sure you're following, you stay tuned. Thank you. Big thanks to everyone who's been supporting us through our Tea Public store. It, the tea public store is going up. Like we see everyone purchasing the now we get the fuck up shirts as Ben I mean beautifully is wearing now. We see them purchasing mugs and masks and books and pillows, the whole nine yards. You can get the now we design as well as other for all nerds designs in our T public page. That's tpublic.com slash for all nerds. You can get these designs on generally every type of product that they have. So Definitely look up that. You can even get a, a phone cover. I know Ben Ami has that as well. Oh, oh yeah, I do. Right here. Hold on. You do. Second. See? Oh, you know. That beautiful phone cover. Look at that. And that is on an iPhone 11 Pro. So mm-hmm. that you know it's going to fit your phone. Thank you to everyone who has supported us, who uh, recommended us. We've seen people from Vanity Fair writers to just, just global fans of the show. <laughs> to Misha Green herself. Shannon. Uh, shout out to Ashley and uh, folks on the official Lovecraft Country radio podcast, sharing love. We love your podcast. Mm-hmm. Amazing that you even listen to our podcast too. Thank you again. We've said it before. We said it again. Get out and vote. I and voted already. I, I sent my joint already. in. I, I, I mailed in my, 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 my absentee ballot. It Get is... him out of here. <laughs> I want to see them numbers high. I want to make that man Big feel numbers. disgraced when he goes home. Big numbers, y'all. Put the numbers on the board. Mm-hmm. And as we said before, make sure you're following us. Follow and subscribe to For All Nerds on your favorite podcast platform. That is how you listen to the Safe Negro podcast show. For All Nerds is comprised of all the people here. It, it, the For All, Nerds, For All Nerds podcast is led by myself and DJ Ben Amin, and we talk about geek culture from the perspective of people of color. And we are more than just a podcast. We are a full-blown brand. We have original content. You see, we do our interviews. We do it all. So just look at For All Nerds on the interwebs. You'll see our YouTube page. You see us on social media. We're everywhere. We are legion, all that stuff. Shouts to the fam fam. If you want to support us financially, also, you can hit us up on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash for all nerds. As little as a dollar, you can help keep this train moving and make sure you're following us personally. Thank you so much to Portia Patterson Hurst, who has been invaluable, just incredible with not only her, her takes and understanding of the story, but also as a book reader, as an avid book reader, to make sure that we were getting the facts. So I just wanted to personally say thank you, thank you, thank you, Portia. Thank you for joining us. For those who are longtime listeners of our, our overall episodes of, of our podcast, Portia was on our Castle Black podcast, which covered um, um, Game of the, the show with the terrible seventh <laughs> season. But yes, that was it. So thank you, Portia. Portia, tell them where they can find you. First of all, thank y'all both for having me on. I love coming back on and love talking to both of y'all. It's fun to have crack jokes and also go deep. And uh, mm-hmm. there's no better outlet to go deep on stuff with than for all nerds. So y'all know to get up for all these things. Um, <laughs> for I am Portia on Twitter, and that's where you can catch me. Excellent, and thank you so much to my brother DJ Ben Hamin. Without his 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 jokes and his outlandish <laughs> plot summaries and all the hashtags and terms he coined and also his his reflection and his and Ben, thank you so much for integrating your personal reflections and your in your life, your own life, the familial 
connections with this show and your experiences, it, it, it's not easy to integrate that and show people into your world, but it was much appreciated. So thank you so much. Please let everyone know where they can find you. Uh, at DJ Benjamin. And I just want to say thank you to both of y'all, but thank you to Tatiana and Portia because, you know, we've done Castle Black before, but this has been something special to me doing the Safe Negro podcast. And like we say, this ain't the end of it. We got two more at least very special episodes planned yes. for y'all. You know, we're going to do something ill for Halloween and all that. But I just want to thank y'all so much because, like you know, said, like you said, Tatiana, we've gotten into some really deep conversations about the show, deep conversations about society, about the world, about physics, you know, about supremacy, about toxic, about everything, about just so many things. And yes, it's been difficult for me at times to talk about my own life, but it's also healing and everything. And yes. I just want to thank y'all both for being here. And for the jokes and for the knowledge <laughs> both of y'all have brought to the table, it's been, you know, and like I always say, I just like shining light on black women as much as possible. And y'all are both fucking amazing. And I think y'all deserve all of the light and shine on y'all. Thank you so much. And at the end of the day, we're going to get these jokes off. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to do. <laughs> that's what we, and we're going to do nothing on these jokes off, all right? So yeah. again, thank you all for listening. Appreciate your time. Make sure you're still subscribed to us and listening because next week we are coming with another episode. Some more shows, some more things, some more surprises. So see you soon. Thank you for being a guest. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say my favorite line of the episode and something to say to everybody as we go out, do not cripple yourself with your doubts. <laughs>